Hi. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Um, it's my privilege to be here. Uh, I'll be the first to say I am unqualified and humble to be here to speak to you. Any number of you would be um, just as qualified, if not more, to speak um, in any of these sessions. And so I am humbled to be here um, to speak to you. Uh, why don't we just start out with prayer? Just ask the Lord to bless our time together and, um, you know, put him first. So, Father, we just come before you. We thank you for the privilege, Lord, that we have to be together, to gather together, Lord, uh, with other ministers of the gospel. And I'm so thankful, Lord, to be able to be here with other women in ministry, Lord. And, God, I just pray that you would hover in our midst today, that, God, you would bring clarification to our time together, to our study, and that, Lord, you would help each lady to leave here uh, just empowered by your Holy Spirit with a sense uh, of knowledge that they are called, they are equipped, Lord, with everything that they need to carry out your will for their life. And so we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, just to give you a little bit of background, um, who I am, I am Sarah Davis. I'm the pastor of New Beginnings, uh, Assembly of God Church in Columbus. I've been the pastor for eight years. Prior to that, um, I was a youth pastor along with um, teaching. My undergrad is in education, and so that's what I did. Um, I've been married to my husband, Will, for seven years. We have three boys. Um, I have a stepson who is 15, and we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And so we are excited about life. <laughs> so uh, it's good. Um, but I want to tell you first, I think, like, what this session is not. Uh, the title of it is, you know, uh, Blessings and Burdens for Women in Ministry. After I submitted that title, I kind of got to thinking about it, and I'm like, man, that kind of sounds a little negative. I mean, what about obstacles or opportunities, you know, for women in ministry? Because uh, that's really what it is. But what this session is not is, it's not, you know, a man-bashing session. It's not um, any kind of, like, feminist rally or anything like that. Um, you know, we are all men, women, young and old, we are all gifted uniquely and talented, uniquely valued. We're needed in the kingdom of God. Um, and with that being said, naturally speaking, there are real issues that, you know, and burdens and obstacles that women and women in ministry face. And it's just, it's just for good or for bad, it's there. And on the flip side of that, there are opportunities galore. Uh, for us as women in ministry. And so first I thought that I would talk to you guys about, um, you know, just as Christian women, as Christian women, not just women in ministry, but as Christian women. Uh, bottom line is Satan hates women. He does. And, you know, since the dawn of time, we read in Genesis 3.15, the, the Bible says, um, God has said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. I forget about that. I will put enmity between uh, you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. So, you know, beginning with that, it became evident that there was a war on women from Satan himself um, against us. And nevertheless, God has always raised up women who know how to fight the enemy. And um, there are numerous examples in the Bible, Old and New Testament, of biblical warriors, women warriors throughout Scripture. You know, we think of, and I got a list of some of the ones that I want to, you know, talk to you about today, but, uh, I mean, we could just spend all day talking and all week talking about women warriors in the Bible, but Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, 
she was an inspirational prophetic warrior and she gave birth you know the story to miracle son and while others tried to convince her to name him after her husband she named him john which was prophetically given and um so she she was a warrior we think of anna um maybe one of the um more unmentioned ones but one of the most significant intercessors in the new testament was anna and uh, after seven years of married life her husband died she devoted herself to fasting and prayer in the temple, and she spent around 60 years doing that. And through prophetic promises of God in the temple, you know, she would she would give out. At 84, um, she was still ministering to the Lord, looking for the coming of the Messiah, and she saw uh, the manifestation of her intercession come to life when uh, Jesus was brought to the temple to be consecrated to God, and she was able to see uh, before her very eyes, before she died, just... Um, the manifestation of what she had prayed for for so long. Uh, we think of uh, Jochebed, warring mother of Moses, who um, began really a spiritual battle that saved a nation. I mean, when all that happens and um, these baby boys are being murdered, she's like, it's, it's not going to happen with mine. And, and she she warred and, and really saved a nation through her son. Uh, Miriam, the sister of Moses, warred with a tambourine. There's all, all sorts of different types you know, of ways we war against the enemy. Um, but she warred with the tambourine when the Israelites made it safely across the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies were drowned. Uh, we think of Deborah, uh, was a warring deliverer who led the Israelites to battle, um, you know, through Sisera, even though they had 900 iron chariots. Uh, Deborah and Barak were terribly outnumbered. Deborah prophesied, if you know the story, she prophesied. She said, up. Oh, this is in Judges 4.14. For this is the day in which the Lord hath delivered Sisera into thine hand. Is not the Lord gone out before thee? And Deborah had the word from God. She prophesied it. The victory was won. Um, we think of Mary Magdalene. And um, really, uh, in theological terms, she's often referred to as the apostle to the apostles. Because we know that Jesus appeared first to her after his resurrection. And this was not, I don't believe, by chance or accidental appearance. I believe Jesus was making a statement um, to say, you know, that um, in the first century, really neither Roman nor Jewish courts of law would allow the testimony of a woman as evidence. And yet Jesus chose to appear to her um, initially, the first person after his resurrection. Jesus just confronted this cultural bias and um, head on by appearing to her first and for her to bear the testimony of the most significant event of human history, she was the first one to tell about it. And he told Mary, he said, now you go and tell. And, um, you know, I, I just think that's so significant. We think of Phoebe uh, in the Bible, a minister and church leader, Priscilla, pastor and co-worker with Paul. Paul always mentioned Priscilla and Aquila together. Uh, we think of Lydia and the women who later labored with Paul in Philippi. Uh, Paul began the church in Philippi with a group of praying women. That's what it began with, a group of praying women. And his base of operation and the church's meeting place was in one of these women's homes, Lydia. And Jewish law at that time required a quorum of 10 um, Jewish men who were heads of the household to start a synagogue right, in the community. But Paul said, I got no problem starting in a house. And we'll start in this woman's house and um, with a group of praying women. And really, as far as we know, um, this was the first church in Europe, and it started in a woman's home. 
And so, I mean, we could just go on and on uh, throughout history, throughout biblical history, of how God just supernaturally used women and um, to spread his gospel, to preach his word, and to impact the kingdom of God. Um, there's some quotes throughout that I want to share with you a little bit about. Um, this is by F.F. F. Bruce, and it says, he, he's talking about Paul here, uh, delighted in the company of his fellows, both men and women. The most incredible feature in the Paul of popular mythology is his alleged misogyny. He treated women as persons. The mainstream churches of Christendom, as they inch along towards a worthier recognition of the ministry of women, have some uh, way to go yet before they come abreast of Paul. In other words, um, people have, because of other scriptures, um, with Paul and in Timothy, they have looked at Paul as really a, a, a denier of women. But everywhere he went, and everywhere Jesus goes, and everywhere Christianity is promoted, women are elevated. That's what Christianity does. It promotes and elevates people, no matter their gender, no matter their race, no matter their background, no matter who the, where they came from. He is a promoter of people. And um, that is what Paul did, and that is what Jesus does, and everywhere Christianity goes, that's what happens. Um, we, we think of the, the story of Esther, right? Great example. God placed Esther in a strategic place for a particular time. He did. And today, God, I believe, is still putting women in strategic places for uh, this time that we are in. Uh, when Esther was placed on the throne in Persia, to rescue her people from annihilation. You know the story. You go back and read it. Uh, it would have been a great sin for her to remain silent. It, it would have been. It would have been uh, an atrocity for her to remain silent. And there are times, ladies, that we cannot remain silent. God has given us a voice, and we are called to speak, and we are called to preach, and we are called to prophesy, and we are called to share the love of Jesus um, everywhere we go. We have to speak. In, and in, in certain situation in terms, it would be a sin not to. Um, when God has placed a call on your life, we can't remain silent. We can't allow um, our frailties and um, our indecision, our insecurities to stop us from pursuing the call that God has on our life. And this was Esther's time, and this was the reason for her existence. And you and I are alive today for a reason. And we have purpose, and God has called us for just as Esther for such a time as this. You know, we all have personal examples that we could just sit and, and talk about uh, women in our life who were warriors, and uh, we could see that, and we witnessed firsthand the power of God move through their lives, and they were the ones really who paved the way for us. And I think about my mom. My mom was a warrior. She passed away a couple years ago. She was a warrior, and um, she really led the way, I think, for my understanding, and uh, that women can be called to the ministry also, and uh, play a vital role, a vital role in the kingdom. Uh, she was an ordained assembly of God pastor, and I really don't have any better example than her of someone who um, warred against the enemy um, and really, you know, used what God gave her. Uh, to make an impact, and she's still making an impact even though she's gone. Um, but I, I recognize that the many, many of the opportunities that I have today are because others like her paved the way. They paved the way. 
And you have personal examples, too, of women in your life who uh, were greatly impacted you and um, helped you to understand the call that God had placed on your life. Um, and, you know, with that, it's important that we as women find other women mentors in our life. It's so um, really important that we do that. Another woman in ministry that you can partner with, that you can share with, that you can share your heart with and open up with, someone who can counsel you and talk to you about the things that they went through, that you're going through now. Um, we need to partner up. And I think, you know, in an age and day where uh, there's a lot of women fighting against each other, we got to partner together. We have to recognize that we are stronger together and that we're not in competition with one another. Um, but we're on the same team fighting for the same purpose, and that's to win as many people as we can to Jesus. And the sooner we realize that, man, the, the more uh, lives are going to be changed, the quicker lives are going to be changed for Jesus. So we, got, we have to partner together. We have to, um, you know, really praise each other's successes and be there as partners for, for one another. That's one thing that, you know, Ohio for Jesus is doing. We're really recognizing that we're in this kingdom building business together. Um, that you know, one church is not an island unto themselves. Um, that we're we're not in competition with one another, and uh, as women, we have to recognize that also. Um, but there's a warfare going on. There's a warfare going on, and um, there is one. I'm just going to list about five ways that we are warring in the kingdom and in the spiritual realm. First is the battle for identity. Um, you know, before we battle for the world and, and the kingdom of God and our, our mission as, as ministers of the gospel, we women of God must battle for our own needs. And this begins by knowing our authority in Christ. We have authority in Christ. Romans 8.11, I love this scripture. I use it all the time. It gives me a lot of joy and a lot of peace. It tells us that as a Christian, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of us. And then that allows me to sleep at night. That allows me to be able to attack the day, whatever problems that are ahead of me, because I know that it's not up to me. It's not about me and the strength that I have. It's not about me and the talent I have. It's not about, you know, any, anything like that. But it's because the Spirit of God himself, the Holy Spirit, ladies, who raised Christ from the dead, lives inside of you. He lives inside of you, and he gives, a scripture goes on to say, he gives power to your mortal body, right? I need some power. When I get up in the day, I need power. I need power to accomplish the will of God. You need power to accomplish the will of God. And the, the awesome thing is you have it. You have it. Man, if we would just tap into that power more often and recognize that it's not in my own strength, but it's in the strength of God inside of me, we would get so much more done for the kingdom of God, it's not even funny. We have got to tap into that power. We have to tap into that power. That gives us so much peace. And really, you know, with that, we should not look for the move of God. We should be the move of God, right? God uses people. He uses people. We're his hands. We're his feet. And we're called to go out and do his will. He uses us. We are the move of God. We should shouldn't search for signs and wonders. We should be the sign and wonder, right? The Holy Spirit's inside of you. And he's given you power to go out and to lay your hands on the sick and watch them right there in front of your eyes recover and be healed. 
He's given you the power to raise the dead. He's given you the power to pray for people and bondages be broken and lives be saved and changed and addictions be gone right there instantly. If we as women of God would rise up, put differences aside, link arms together and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we would see so we would see the world one. I mean really in these 10 years that we're we're working on, you know, this strategic um, Ohio for Jesus plan, um, it would get done so much quicker if we all would just link arms together and go forth and do what God has called us to do in the power of the Holy Spirit that he's called us to use. Um, but women of God, you know, we, we sometimes feel plagued by inferiority. We sometimes feel helpless. We have weaknesses, we feel, you know, and, uh, but God is raising up a new army, and we must let the enemy know that we will not remain silent that we are rising with power, the power of the Holy Spirit. And you bet that intimidates the living daylights out of the enemy because he knows what we can accomplish uh, when we know who we are in Christ. And so, we, you know, that battle for identity, know who you are, that you are not um, just simply a product of your past or the family that you were born to. Uh, you are a warrior of Christ, and you are called to do great things for him. And we have to remind ourselves of that every single day. We do, because it is a battle out there, right? And we have to remind ourselves every single day who we are in Christ and let the enemy know it. Don't let him intimidate you. So battling for identity. And the second thing is warring through the word. Warring through the word. You're called to war through the word. Speak the word of God into every circumstance in your life. The Bible the Word of God, that's your sword, right? It's the only offensive weapon um, in the armor of God. It's the only one we need. We have the Word of God. Read the Word and then proclaim it out loud. Proclaim it clearly. Speak those verses of victory in the face of defeat. Speak blessings um, in the face of desperate need. Speak healing scriptures um, over your life and over your situations, and those miracles will come. We cannot neglect the power of the word of God. It is the way we're going to defeat the enemy in our life. Uh, so worry uh, through the word. Um, we also, we got to look for opportunities. Because I, I feel like sometimes when we pray, God, you know, bring opportunities my way, right? But honestly, those opportunities are all around us right now. Uh, there are opportunities all around us to minister but again, we have to know who we are in Christ in order to see those opportunities. And if I feel like, man, well, someone else would speak better than me, and someone else would minister better than me, and uh, you know, someone else would do a better job than me, and we start having this complex of inferiority and um, really just you know pushing ourselves down, we're not going to see those opportunities that are all around us to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another. Um, way that we have to war is we have to fight for our families. You win the battle for your family. How, ladies, we win it on our knees, right? We win it on our knees. God will draw your children um, to Christ if you battle for them. Uh, God will minister healing to your children if you battle for them. Relationship with your spouse, God will bring healing, but we have to pray for our families. And this is one area, you know, we can't neglect if I won the world for Jesus, but um, my children were lost, I, I would have failed, right? 
And so this has to be our number one priority, that we are not going to neglect praying and worrying for our children, for our spouse, for our family, um, to see God work first and foremost in our family's life. Then the, the last thing I want to talk about today is, you know, and it's just so needed, is warring for the nation. Our nation needs, desperately needs Jesus. And uh, we cannot give up on our nation. We can't. We can't, as, as ministers of the gospel, we can't say, well, what will be will be. You know, I'm just, you know, looking for the day Jesus comes and gets us out of this mess. Yeah, we're to look for the day Jesus comes. But we got a mission to do in the meantime, right? And we cannot, just as you would never give up on your child, you can never, we can't give up on our nation. We were founded um, on the principles of Christianity and the gospel of Jesus, and we cannot give up fighting for our nation. Um, in Jeremiah 9, when Israel was in trouble because they had forsaken the law, God told Jeremiah to send for the mourning women. He said uh, to send for the most skilled of them. And then he told these women that they should teach their daughters to weep. Here's, here's what I want us to get out of that scripture. You know, as we weep and pray over our cities, over our nation, God forgive us for the sin that we've done as a nation. Revival will come. Uh, souls will come to know Jesus. We, we need to pray specifically for our nation. So I, I want to get real practical, you know, here today also. I don't want to skim over uh, just the questions and the concerns that each of us have as women. Uh, so I want to get down to the, the nitty-gritty, uh, those blessings and burdens for women in ministry or those opportunities and obstacles that we have. Um, the reality is 90% of pastors are men, but most that sit in our pews are women. Um, for good or for bad, that's just how it is. And uh, so there are unique challenges. There just are. There are unique challenges. Uh, no matter what role a woman holds in Christian leadership, she faces challenges. Uh, whether you're a pastor or a children's minister or a youth pastor or you know any kind of worker uh, in the ministry of God, there are unique challenges that we have. And um, you know, from from what to wear to lead um, to uh, you know when when you have a mic on you, you know, I mean, these are things that a lot of times um, it it doesn't men don't have these challenges, but we do. You know, we have to be concerned. Am I appropriate? Is what I'm wearing appropriate? You know, can you see anything? You know, and we have to be constantly mindful of those things. Uh, basic, unique challenges. I kind of joke because I like to wear a headset when I preach. And for whatever reason, that headset, I mean, it does not want to fit my, my head. And I joke because they're, you know, made for bald men. I don't know. <laughs> but but I, I do. It doesn't want to fit my head. Um, Unique challenges, uh, and for right or for wrong, the pressure is real. Um, it really is. Uh, whether it should be our focus or not, it's there. And um, there, uh, Joy Elizabeth Lawrence, uh, she she wrote an article. Why do people only notice my clothes? Says our acceptance of a woman leader partially hinges on her physical uh, appearance, uh, our presence, and there is implicit bias that perceives a woman's form as something to assess. Reality is we have to be careful. We do. You know, we're, we're called by God to be modest in what we wear and to make sure. But sometimes there's so much um, focus that we really lose what we're truly doing. And, um, and, and again, the reality is men uh, rarely get 
those same kinds of comments. Um, there are gender biases and expectations as well. Um, women church leaders um, often are the only women at the table for that team. Um, you know, and thank God we're sitting at the table, but sometimes um, we're the only ones there. And uh, Nancy Beach wrote, gifted to lead, she said, the pervasiveness of exclu exclusively or predominantly male teams makes the entrance of the first few women to join those teams potentially fraught with uncertainty on the part of both men and women simply because it is new and different, right? It can be intimidating. We can feel like, um, you know, uh, what do we have to offer? And um, those gender biases and expectations are real. Are real. The, the other thing is there's communication struggles. I know I'm probably going to tell you something that um, you just never thought of before, but um, men and women communicate differently. <laughs> I know, it's a mind blower. I don't, I, I understand. But, uh, you know, we do, and we have to learn as, as a church because, see, our, we're partners, right? Uh, men and women in the church, in the building of the kingdom of God, we're partners. And we have to learn how to communicate with one another. And um, the bottom line is the church needs women. The church needs women. And if we can understand at least to some level the issues that women leaders face, we can better encourage the gifted and talented and called women around us to walk in the authority that is theirs in Jesus Christ. And um, there's another quote. Uh, Laura Copeland said this. She said, uh, when God gives a woman in your ministry the gift of leadership, something we see throughout the Bible and the history of the church, how will you help her steward her gift well in your church? You know, so again, get the mind off of us and let's look at other women, other young ladies, other, other older ladies, other women in our church that, um, that have gifts and talents, but they're, they're being muted. And, and she goes on to say, um, you know, how will you help her steward her gift well in your church? Today, women are leading Fortune 500 companies and serving at high levels of government. They are professors, doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, and engineers. When the female CEO of a successful business becomes a member of your church, what opportunities will she have to use her leadership gifts to advance the gospel? Because we need to see the gifts and the talents that are in other women and, and help pull those out. Um, the church needs the uh, perspectives the gifts, the passions of women. Because without them, uh, really, we miss out on a fuller understanding of God and our faith. And we miss a whole, whole bunch of opportunities um, to win more people to Jesus. Uh, Nancy Beach says, when we limit the opportunities for all of us to hear from women, to benefit from their stories, to uncover gifts, to lend us their creativity, to contribute their strategic thinking, as well as their tremendous capacity for listening and track record for emotional and relational intelligence, well, we miss a truckload of benefits. And um, and we really do. And so, again, looking for those, those other women within our church also who we see um, gifts and talents in and allowing them to have opportunities to help grow the church from the gifts and talents that they have as well. So, um, you know, their Barna Group conducted a survey 
um, a few years ago of over 60,000 individuals. And um, in as little as two years, the percentage of Americans categorized as post-Christian, just in two years' time, grew from 37 to 44%, just in two years' time. And now that doesn't necessarily mean that America is a post-Christian nation, necessarily, but it does indicate that we are headed in the wrong direction, right? Um, and those facts that are all around us, and we can, you know, you turn on the news and you see it all the time. I mean, um, sin is rampant. People are lost and dying every day without knowing Jesus and going into eternity without knowing him. And um, this, this is happening all the time. And we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. We have to ask ourselves questions about what might turn this ship around. How can we stop going in the wrong direction? How can we start going in the right direction? And the church in America is really facing an all-hands-on-deck scenario. And uh, we must pull our resources together in order to keep advancing the gospel and building the kingdom of God. And that includes us, ladies. That includes us. Um, we, we are a part of God's plan. We are a part of his plan to reach the world. We are a part of his plan uh, with Ohio for Jesus and winning our state for him. We are a part of the Lord's plan in um, building his kingdom. And so what does this mean practically in understanding this? That man, something has to change or we're just going to keep going down the wrong path. Something has to change. How, what do we practically take from that? Well, again, if you identify a woman gifted, say, with planning, you know, ask her to speak into your next building project. If you, um, if a woman at your church is great with strategy, ask her to review your assimilation process uh, for first-time guests. If, uh, you know, when you meet a woman who has a background in marketing, uh, ask her what she thinks of your social media with your church and your branding and, your, and you know, all of that. Uh, a stay-at-home mom in your church who loves writing could contribute to uh, some sort of monthly publication for our stay-at-home moms. You know, whatever it might be, we have to start thinking outside the box and understand that we can't just do the same thing that we've always done. Because one, we're in a new age and a new day, right? And, and we have to understand that God is returning soon. Jesus is coming back soon. And he doesn't want us just to sit, you know, on the couches and just say, okay, well, I look for your return, Lord. He wants us to go and win the world for him. Right? And bring as many people as we can to knowledge, saving knowledge of Jesus Christ um, and, and grasp out of hell's reach uh, because people are dying and going to hell every single day. Our neighbors, people we pass in Kroger, you know, uh, people who, who we go to school with and, and we, we you know, are in our neighborhoods, they are, they are dying every day and going to hell, going to eternity without knowing Jesus. And we need to ask ourselves, what can we do to stop that? What can we do to turn this ship around and in these last days usher in through the power of the Holy Spirit a revival like we've never seen? And women, we are a part of that. We are a part of God's plan in that. Um, you know, be creative and dream about how the kingdom of God could be impacted if all the gifts and talents of the women in your church were used to advance the gospel. Think about that. What if all the women in your church had uh, an awakening in the spirit and said, man, I do have a voice that matters. 
Um, I have talents and abilities that the Lord has given me. How can I use that to advance the kingdom of God? And if we all partnered together, we would see um, just a great impact in God's kingdom. Uh, I'm going to save some time. Um, again, I, as I said at the, the beginning, I, I am not an expert. You know, I, I am humbled to be up here. And so I want us to save some time at the end um, if we have questions or scenarios that maybe you've gone through and other ladies in the, in the room here have gone through, we can kind of talk together and help and encourage one another. Um, but I also want to save some time at the end to pray um, and just seek the Lord um, that, you know, that he would just bring clarity to our minds and hearts and he would awaken our spirits to know who we are in him and that we would, we would continue or start you know, fulfilling that um, call that God has on our life. In Isaiah 32, 9, Isaiah cried out to the women of his day, and he said, Rise up, you women who are at ease. And the Holy Spirit is still sending that message out today. Um, I, I'm thankful to be part of the Assemblies of God, and um, who not only affirms the call of women in ministry, but actively promotes it. I, I'm, ex I'm excited about what is in store and uh, much of the church world, however, has refused to recognize the gifts and, uh, of its female members. And really, in doing so, um, violated Paul's command in 1 Thessalonians 5.19 to not quench the spirit. Because, uh, because God desires to use us all. And as a result, many gifts have laid dormant in, in women uh, while millions have perished without Christ. And, um, you know, as I said before, as part of the Assemblies of God, we've started a 10-year uh, strategic plan to win Ohio for Jesus. And bottom line is, we will not be able to accomplish the vision that the Holy Spirit has given us without spirit-empowered women who recognize that call and that apostolic call that God has placed on their lives, the call to preach, the, the call to lead, the call to teach, the call to disciple the call to pastor, the call to prophesy. Um, and, and again, we are not men, and men are not us. Okay, God created us differently. We have unique talents and abilities given by God to reach people that others can't. And your own personal experiences come into play with that. Um, and again, as women, we're not in competition with men, um, but we are called to be partners and workers together for the greater good of building the kingdom of God. We have to value each other's uniqueness because it's there and we have to value it and work together to win and disciple people to Jesus. Uh, we have opportunities like never before, ladies. We really do. We're living um, in a day and age where there are opportunities all around us to fulfill the call and to walk in the fullness of that call that God has placed on our life. And my urge to you um, is to not let your insecurities, because we all have them, to not let our thoughts, to uh, you know, not let our struggles, those obstacles, stop us. Uh, the enemy knows where to push our buttons. He does, and he's relentless. You know. Um, he doesn't sleep. He doesn't take a day off. You know, he, he's, he's out to get us. The Bible tells us that. He's out to destroy us. Um, the enemy, the Bible says, roars around like a roaming lion looking for uh, who he can devour. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I love how that scripture puts it. He's like a roaring lion. 
he knows he's not, right? He's just big bite and all bark, but he doesn't have the power over us. And he knows that. So if he can get in our thought life and he can get rooted in our heart a little bit and he can bring up those insecurities and he can stop us or paralyze us from moving forward in the call that God has on our lives, then he's won his battle, right? He has. So we have to determine in our spirits that we are called, we have a mission, we have a purpose, we have a voice. Just as Esther did, we are called for such a time as this to win this world for Jesus and we play a vital role in the building of the kingdom of God. Um, you know, I want, I, those of you who, you know, we all struggle. And maybe there's some of you here today where maybe you're struggling and stepping into that call. Maybe the Lord's placed something on your heart and, you know, you, you kind of, you know it's him, but you're struggling with whether or not um, you have what it takes and you have the ability or the talent, maybe you're struggling in stepping into that call that God's placed on your life. Um, I, I want you just to be encouraged today. You are called by God. You are called by God. If, if I don't do anything else, I want you to understand this. You are called by Him. You are. You are His daughter, and you have purpose, and He has plans for your life, and you are called to build His kingdom. You are called to win people for him. And here's the kicker. Leave the results up to God. Right? We're just called to be obedient, or we're called to be faithful. I take, I mean, that just brings so much peace in my life. If, if we're just faithful and we're obedient, the Holy Spirit will do his thing. He has called you. Um, we have to trust him, that God knew what he was doing when he called you. Right? And he called you, he equipped you, he gave you specific experiences and gifts that he wants to use. And so as God opens the door uh, for you, and maybe in new avenues that you've never you know, thought of before for your life, as God opens the door and as you seek him and you're faithful to him and you're obedient to him, uh, walk through those doors that God opens. Don't limit yourself. Walk through those doors uh, knowing that God the God who called you will be the same God who will sustain you. The God who called you will be the same God who will equip you. The God who called you will be the, the same God to uh, work in you through his spirit. And so I want to encourage you um, in that today. Amen. Um, but I've, been, I've enjoyed speaking to you. I hope that you leave with a little sense of encouragement. I want, is there any questions, maybe some experiences that you've gone through or something that you're going through right now and... Um, we'll just open it up. If, if I can answer, I'll answer. If someone else in the audience can answer, you know, um, we're, we're all in this together and we, we're called to help one another. So.